0: What we've realized is it means like when you have an opportunity, even though you might be scared of what the outcome is, you might be scared of what the outcome isn't as well. You might expect 600 users and get zero. You need to just do it. You need to just launch as often as possible, as scary as it is, as unready as you feel.
1: Welcome to Social Post, a podcast brought to you by Meet Edgar. Each week, we bring you a guest to inspire your creativity, breathe new life into your marketing strategy, and get you motivated to take action in your business. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned entrepreneur, you'll walk away feeling like you took your social media marketing multivitamin. Enjoy the interview and remember, what's possible for them is possible for you. And we can't wait to see your success. Hey, Social Post listeners, today we are joined by Scott, who actually used to work here at Me Edgar in our marketing department, so we're really excited to have him back. But today we're not talking about anything he did with Meet Edgar, we're talking about a new app he developed called Booze App. So we're going to dive deep into how he created Booz App, as well as how he's getting it out into the world so you can get inspiration from his journey. So I'm going to pass it over to Scott real quick to talk a little bit about who he is and what Booze App does, and then we'll get into a little bit further of the conversation. So Scott, go right ahead.
0: Hi, how's it going? Um, I'm Scott, me and my uh, co-founder, Rich Morrow, created Booz App uh, of frustration for going to a liquor store and seeing a completely different price of a fairly regular run of the mill uh, whiskey that uh a few days before had gone we'd gone to another liquor store and saw that for about fifty percent less and uh that created a lot of uh investigation for us and we found out that through that research uh pretty much every bottle of liquor on the shelf in the United states. Is being overpaid for by consumers and that there is such thing as MSRP but it is largely ignored and so we were inspired to create at first just a database of liquors and the actual MSRP Um, and that became something that we realized we could do one better and we can realize we can uh, compare that to the shelf price the average shelf price that exists in many different liquor stores of that same bottle and give people a way to vote, essentially, what they think a fair price is. And over time, with the, you know, the help of crowdsourcing that information, we can now provide an actual accurate answer of how much a bottle is worth when there is low supply and high demand.
1: Oh, man, that is so cool. I love when people are able to identify a problem and something in the market and actually take it and put something towards it creatively like you guys have to solve that problem. I feel like you have a really good pulse, it seems like, on this being something that you can crowdsource because anyone who has a frustrating experience typically is around overpaying for something and money cost. So when you're actually going out there and thinking about getting this in front of the right people, what are you actually actually doing to bring awareness to this pain point that people have and position your app as the solution to that pain point?
0: Yeah, so that's very, it's a very good question. And one that I feel we're uh, pretty excited to answer when people ask us this, because honestly, the, the biggest way to introduce that pain point is to get people to go to one liquor store and then get people to go to another liquor store. And it doesn't matter if it's down the street or across state or whatever it is, they're going to have different prices. Uh, there are a few states that actually control the price uh, within the state so that you know every liquor store is the same, but there's like three of those out of 47 states. So when it comes down to it, all you have to do to experience this problem is buy liquor. And one of the things we're hoping, you know, to do is, you know, through this app, you can actually see what the price is before having to step into one store and then another we will bring that price to you because we'll have the ability for you to post that price or for others to post that price, including the liquor store. They can uh, inventory their their bottles uh, that are on their shelves through our app, and then that shows up in uh, a map so that people can, you know, from their homes or wherever location they're at. See what prices those are uh, listed at. Compare it to you know what is actually an MS uh, the right MSRP and a fair price. And oh, that's
1: beautiful. so cool. Yeah, I feel like that's a really simple and beautiful answer that you can take to anything that you build online. It's just telling people to go out and experience something and be like, there's a better way. So often we hear people be like, with me Edgar, they're like, oh, I don't need to repeat my social media content. I don't need to do that. And it's like, have you actually gone out and tried it? Have you seen the success or have you experienced that pain point? So I do completely agree. It's just talking to people about their experience in real life and positioning it that simply I feel like we don't have to overcomplicate things so that's really cool to see um, so when you guys were actually building this and getting this app live, I remember seeing a post on LinkedIn from you that was super inspirational about this fact that you were not someone who had a ton of coding background or knew how to do this before you guys dive in and got started. So what were some of the lessons that you learned as you were going throughout creating an app that you could pass on to our community who might be getting started creating their own apps, even if they don't feel like they have the skills to do so.
0: Yeah, we knew there was a problem. We knew that we could do something about it, but we didn't exactly think that we had the power to do what we wanted to do about it. So we knew that in order to get it in more people's hands, it needed to be an app. That uh, was something that was out of our reach as both uh, me and my co-founder, Rich, have uh, sales and marketing backgrounds. We have some technical knowledge. Like we can learn things really fast, but when it comes to, you know, learning the code you know react native or whatever it is that you need to build the app that's a whole different ballgame so what we did uh, is we reached out to someone who did know uh, which is a friend of ours named Evan and he helped us understand that there were other tools out there for people who don't necessarily have uh, a great deal of coding experience Uh, there's tools out there that are called low-code solutions and no-code solutions we opted for the no code because we still don't know enough to even manage a low-code solution and there's a tool out there that we used uh, to build this app that's called Adalo. And the uh, app builder is, is quite simple. There's a lot of drag and drop components. Uh, you can get a little bit more complex than that, which we've, I feel like we've kind of gotten to the more complex side of things with the app, which is great because it allows us to have a little bit more flexibility when we do need to grow. Um, and that was originally just going to be something we use to prototype it out and then shop around the app to try and get funding so we can actually build it. And it turned out we actually could uh, create the app the way that we wanted it to, at least for that initial MVP, uh, through this app or through Adalo itself. And so we uh, took a lot of inspiration and advice from some early advisors who said, launch as fast as possible, don't let anything hold you up. And uh, in, in doing so, we said, you know what? We're not totally ready. We're not completely sure that this is, you know, what people want. We're not even completely sure it's going to work once we have more than 20 users on it. And then, as we launched it um, in conjunction with a couple different uh, press pieces that went out uh, from some some good some good articles that were written about us, we ended up getting 600 users within about a week. Um, we had to essentially cap it because this was still like beta, very much a beta, um, and in the process we've actually been able to uh, work with uh, some other people, some uh, some developers now that are building a native native app uh, more from scratch that is going to be able to carry over more of the things that we can do that, that we're looking to do with Yeah, But yeah getting started I've, I've had a few people come up to me and say you know what do you or what did you use or how did you get started because they know that I'm not <laughs> the kind of person who would build an app from scratch, uh, myself at least, And, you know, pointing them toward the tool, it's for each person that I've talked to, it's been extremely empowering. A few of them have come back after just a few weeks and they're like, I just got an app in the app store and it's really incredible. So I think that that is in a lot of ways a future of uh, the future of coding is kind of going the way of WordPress, where you don't have to have something uh, ridiculously complex. You don't have to have a a knowledge of something that is, you know, months and months or sometimes years and years of training in order to use it, um, you can use a tool that can do that most of that work for you at least to get started and it's always worth getting started.
1: Ah, that's so true, and I love the way you were talking about just getting something like your MVP that you mentioned out there in the world. How do you actually break down your MVP to know if you're ready to go and launch, even if you don't feel ready to or not, and make sure that you're not getting what's commonly known as feature creep of just being like, oh, one more feature, oh, one more feature. How did you guys know you were ready? And that was the MVP that you needed to get out and start to get feedback from so that you could. More and more?
0: I would say for us, it boiled down to what service or what um, value did we want to actually provide to Mm. people using it. And when it came down to it, we actually contemplated launching when we just had a spreadsheet. Um, We really wanted this information in people's hands as fast as possible. And especially with everything going on with COVID and whatnot, we know money is tight and liquor is. What you know, it was one of the industries that's still um, very popular, and and as people are buying, we wanted to make sure people knew what prices they should be buying at. So really, when it came down to it, we thought of maybe just uh, publishing a database, and going off of that, building from there. But when yeah, when we realized that Adalo could do a little bit more for us, that's when we said, well, we can just add a few things in. But it was it was really hard to say where do we cap it. And kind of where we decided to cap it was um, when we realized we had more than enough to at least get something out there. And uh, again, I, I point toward two resources. One is uh, Lean Startup, uh, which is a book by, I cannot remember, it's literally on my shelf, but I can't can't see it far enough. Um, but the Lean Startup is a really popular book and that uh, would talk a lot about how their experience uh, with the group that created um, second, not secondhand something, second something, second life, that's what it is. Okay, so they created second life, um, but even before then, it was a completely different animal. It was a completely different tool, and in in that process, they realized that they waited too long to launch, and they had all these features and all these things built, and then the the first, you know, 20 users to show uh, within that, they realized that this was kind of the wrong direction they needed to head, and they had to pivot, and I think pivots are good. They're very healthy, and, uh, you know, what's going to drive you toward the right kind of pivot is getting user feedback. How can you get user feedback if you don't have users? So the most important thing when you're building a startup at the start is just getting it out there and yet letting the users dictate how they interact with it and, and take the guesswork and the hypothesis out of your business plans and actually give you the insight that you need to build the right tool.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And even if you're not starting up, if you have an established business, I feel like that practice can be so helpful for anything you put out there, whether it's like your blog content or a new feature, you never want to just put it out there and feel like it's done. It's always living and breathing because your community is always giving you feedback on that. Um, So I really love that you guys just took that action. And now I kind of want to switch to the idea um, of you making this sound so actionable of just launching something and getting that feedback. But I noticed you also mentioned you got some really good press at the beginning, which gave you a really good amount of people signing up for your beta project. How did you guys get that press that you actually um, did receive? And can you give us any tips for kind of the channels that you found to work really well for reaching out to people to get the word out about Booz App?
0: Yeah, so the, I'm a very serial emailer or <laughs> mostly email, I've written letters too, but um, I have learned early on or been inspired early on by a few different people along, uh, along my life that uh, when you have information that you lack and you know you can get it, who you can get it from, just ask. And uh, one thing that we did pretty early on uh, was, you know, as I mentioned the database, what we had to do was create the database and we created the database from whatever information we could find on the internet in terms of, you know, published MSRPs for specific bottles, Um, where retailers are located, and uh, shelf prices that those retailers tend to uh, place specific bottles at. And so as we're digging into this information, we found a lot of really interesting trends that we didn't feel had really had a lot of publicity. And so in, in trying to understand some of these trends, especially with how things are priced from state to state, we actually reached out to a lot of different writers and people who were Fairly mainstays of the industry. Uh, one of them is uh, Will Price from Gear Patrol, and as we reached out to um, him and a few colleagues, we got a lot of messages back that were point that were basically saying you're heading the right direction. This is something that's uh, extremely becoming more prevalent, which is you know the the idea of price transparency. And um, as we explored that, you know, we actually kind of created friendships with a lot of, with a few of these uh people because it seems that everyone was really wanting the industry to head the right direction but no one really knew kind of what direction it how, uh, how to make that happen um you know we we also don't know exactly how it should happen but we've got a pretty darn good theory i think of how it should happen and i think that bonded us together to some of these other people that you know were interested in making that change um i think you know i i have done PR and marketing for the majority of my career and the best opportunities have really been the ones that feel a little bit more natural um, in in the sense that I'm not, you know, cold emailing people and saying, hey, go check this out, do this thing. And while that, you know, sometimes is effective and sometimes works, the thing that makes the most difference, I think, is when the person who's writing about you actually has a passion toward the thing you're doing. Um, And that's not been every idea that I've been a part of. There's been plenty of things that I've tried to, you know, create relationships over and it's just not compelling enough and that's okay. It has to be kind of a natural fit in a lot of cases, but you can't create those opportunities if you're not pursuing them. And that to me is the number one objective for, for anyone is just actually, actually try to, you know, start conversations with people, um, whether it's your, your, your business is, you know, more of a content creating, like you're writing a blog or you're creating a lot of, uh, you're trying, you you have a service um, you know, small business and, and yoga or something like that. There's a lot of things that you can do and uh, um, really kind of find other people that are in that same um, space and just create relationships with them. And, you know, you write about them, they write about you, you are able to help each other out a lot. And it, ma- it makes it more of a mutual relationship rather than uh, just asking for something, uh, asking for their their space on their blog or on their um magazine or anything like that i think that's really helpful
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And yet again, you're making it sound so simple of just getting started. And I feel like you lay the foundation before you need people by networking in your industry before getting started and letting people know how passionate you are about, like you mentioned, moving this industry in the direction you want to go. And then it becomes easy to reach out to people and ask for that press. So guys, if you haven't had the opportunity to network with people out there, you don't have to go to real life things. I know we're all being careful with social distancing distancing these days. So hop on LinkedIn, search for people within your industry and just start having conversations about things so that when it comes time that you could both have a mutually exclusive exchange of your content, it becomes something like Scott said, that isn't a scary cold email that you have to send. It's just a conversation with other people. So I love how you brought up that you are developing this within an industry and you want to actually help move the entire industry in a certain direction and not just make this happen, and have the app out there. So is this part of your whole strategy of having like a mission-based business in this way? Um, and helping to kind of have that drive your entire business plan. Can you talk a little bit about how you kind of weave that mission into your company and right now and how that's helping you
0: guys? So, yeah, when it comes to, to liquor, I was I was pretty novice and he helped my partner help me learn a lot about um, just the enjoyment of it, but realizing the kind of lack of access that there is for a lot of people because of, you know, how things can, can get really overhyped and really pricey. That bothered me on multiple fronts because I think if something is enjoyable, um, it should be as accessible as possible. And when you can see in different industries that, you know, for, for the other things that you buy at the store, you know, uh, sports clothing and things like that, you go to, um, sports authority, and then you go to REI, you're going to have items, you know, that are on sale, but then they're going to hit a cap. You're going to see a price tag on there and it's never going to go over that price tag. But when you have an industry that has such a low supply and high demand, um, and there, there's definitely a lot of other factors to it, but there's a complete lack of that transparency into whether or not they are willing to show that MSRP because they know that they can get more money out of it if they don't. Um, so that is something that uh, maybe encouraged me to do something about it. I wouldn't say bothered me because I think anything that bothers you like, is an opportunity to fix it. Um, and that the way that we wanted to fix it is we wanted to say, okay, we can democratize this a little bit. We can allow people who were already online and, and essentially solving the problem through through social media and through other uh, ways as you know, much as they could through the, the tools that they had. Uh, people were already using those channels to say, or to ask each other, like, what's the price I should pay for this? What, How much uh, is this worth? And uh, otherwise, not really having a clear answer. And I thought that, you know, that in and of itself is really hard to access, even though people have been able to solve that. So that was, was really good. There was already people that were saying, this is really kind of the value of that bottle. Um, so that knowledge was out there. And it's just a matter of saying, uh, how can we get that knowledge more accessible? How can we get that knowledge in the hands of those who aren't necessarily a part of five or ten different... Um, liquor-related Facebook groups or or whatnot, and and, um, otherwise go to the store, just assume that the price that they're looking at is the MSRP, saying, well, if I go to any other store, it's going to be the same, because that's what it is in every other industry, and, you know, walking away with with $10 less in their pocket, or sometimes quite a bit more than that, Um, and so that was something that really drove us, is the fact that uh, we could, to be a little cheesy, we could essentially be the wrong uh in an industry that needed one.
1: Oh, that's so awesome. And I feel like crowdsourcing is something that is leaking into every industry these days. And it's something that we see really great success with, um, especially with that being something I feel like that online presence and apps are some of the coolest things to use to connect people in that really great way. Um, So as you're developing something that is so based on this crowdsourcing, what kind of metrics are you guys actually looking at to see the success of your app as it starts to grow more and more? Are there any like key guiding metrics that you're really paying attention to?
0: Uh, again, referring to some of the things that have trained us in, in the world of startups, uh, which uh, Y Combinator has a startup school if there's anyone that's kind of going more of the tech route. Even when even when you're not, just when you're starting a business, there's a lot of really applicable advice. Um, that's some, so something that's totally free and really encourage everyone to go through that. And anyway, that was really beneficial, some of the material they had there, because they talked a lot about that particular thing. Um, so the startup school was really helpful in, in basically saying, here's some key metrics that you should absolutely you know, take into account. And here's some that you typically have taken into account before. It's really easy to you know, get attached to, but you should pretty much ignore them. Um, so vanity metrics is the term that they applied for that I think that's also yeah there's plenty of books out there that that speak about that as well so it's not a super uncommon term but it was fairly recent for me to to really hear that term Um, and it's been helpful because you know as we're growing pre-launch we really didn't have a lot of metrics we don't have users in pre-launch and so we didn't have anything to really indicate that but there's certain things that you need to do still set up um for us because it wasn't a particularly quantifiable metric. We just said, you know, these are the things we want to release and these are the dates. So we kind of strategized it and said that's that's our goal. Um, but once we did have more of an audience, uh, we had a pre-launch website and we were able to track how many people had signed up to that. And I do want to say that while that was exciting and that was an important metric um, before we had something out there, once we were launched and had people uh, that we were trying to introduce the beta, that became, that literally became a vanity metric. Um, And that's because people who, you know, sign up for a launch, but don't actually make it once you do launch, um, you know, doesn't mean dollars in your pocket. It doesn't mean users that are using the platform. And so we changed it to just specifically users in the platform. And I think even more importantly than that was the users that are continuing to use. So uh, we track weekly active users and monthly active users. It's our primary metric. And, um, you know, we are also in a pre-launch state with the retail side of our platform. And so with regard to that, we're actually creating a, a metric of how many conversations we're having with retailers. So, you know, whether that's people that we're actively trying to encourage to get on the platform when we launch, or that's just those who we talk to for research and for understanding more about, you know, what retailers actually want so we can build that in properly. And so those are metrics that really matter to us. Once we do have retailers on because uh, it's a paid platform for them, um, then revenue is going to be kind of the primary metric and, and lifetime value, so LTV.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Those numbers sound a lot more, um, graspable and a lot easier to understand. Um, so that was really cool to share. Well, this has been a really fun conversation and guys, if you want to learn more about Booze app, I'll put all of the links in the show notes. And I would love for you, Scott, just to leave us with one other tip that you've learned as you started to create Booze app that our small business owner community can take action on.
0: One small tip. Um, we have been pretty large Hamilton fans here at the App remote office. And uh, one of the things that has really endeared us to that, um, we both kind of accidentally watched it at the same time without knowing and then kind of started quoting it at each other and then realizing we were both quoting the same thing. And uh, the, the biggest quote, I guess, from that is, um, you know, is, don't throw away your shot. And this has been a really great experience in understanding like what that means. for myself, for us as a team. And what we've realized is it means like when you have an opportunity, even though you might be scared of what the outcome is, you might be scared of what the outcome isn't as well. You might expect 600 users and get zero. You need to just do it. You need to just launch as often as possible, as scary as it is, as unready as you feel, because you'll only learn when you take that step forward kind of into the invisible, onto the invisible platform in the dark. so it sounds very kind of motivating, uh, Indiana Jonesy, but that's that's really been what it's like. You know, if you don't take that step, then you can't succeed. You can't grow, um, and it's a lot better to know one way or the other what's going to work. Any yeah, anyway.
1: Oh, that was such a perfect place to end. And I know a lot of the time people can get a little bit eye-rolly about motivational stuff, but I feel like this whole conversation has been leading up to the fact that you can learn to do stuff. You didn't know how to build an app until you started learning. And it really just takes that motivation to start working and start learning these things. So thank you so much for sharing your story and your advice. Guys, like I said, all the links will be in the show notes and keep the conversation going on Twitter and Instagram. We are at meetedger.com or we are at meetedger and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, Scott.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in and be sure to keep the conversation going with us on social. We're at Meet Edgar on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So let us know your biggest takeaway from today's episode and don't forget to tag us. Visit www.meetedgar.com and start a free trial to up-level your social media marketing strategy today. Happy posting.